Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to another episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. This week we're talking Miss Fisher and the Crypt of Tears. Plus, what you can see at home during this COVID time. Let's get into it. So, Tim, we saw Miss Fisher and the Crypt of Tears, which is available to rent now. So, this film is based on the ABC TV series, which has been running for quite a few years. I think it started in 2012 or something or other. It's been mm-hmm. going for many, many years. It's now spun off into Miss Fisher's modern murder mysteries. Oh, so has that been, what, recast or something? Mm, mm. Set in the 60s. Oh, that's fun. So Mm. obviously this is set in the 20s, so that's cool Mm. that they're finding another, you know, really aesthetically identifiable era in terms of fashion and and Mm. what's going on in the world. So after freeing a young woman from her unjust imprisonment in Jerusalem, Miss Fisher begins to unravel a mystery concerning priceless emeralds, ancient curses, and the truth behind the suspicious disappearance of Shirin's forgotten tribe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of the the plot, if you will. There's a lot going on in this plot, would you say? There is a lot going on. Now, are you familiar with the TV series? Have you seen it? I am. I've seen a little bit. I mm. haven't seen the whole thing. But okay. in terms of storylines, there's so many places that murder mysteries can go, so many avenues. And Miss Fisher covers everything from um, homosexuality to unwed mothers to all these like really topical things that were taboo subjects back then, Mm. I guess. Mm. Um, This is another one. It's very racially motivated, set around the time of British occupation in Palestine, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting that you say that, and I feel that a TV show can really unpack those things. Uh, Similarly, you know, Downton Abbey has that, uh, Mm. you know, class versus class and Mm. undertones of homosexuality and all those storylines and characters to explore. Mm. Me, myself, not being familiar with the TV series... I think was a disservice for me watching this film because I didn't get all that context and who these characters were. However, Mm. what they were exploring in those themes, I didn't really feel that they were, 
that they were delving into them enough. I felt really? like, yeah, I personally felt like they didn't, they just kind of brushed over everything. They didn't have much depth to the story. And again, it was another murder mystery, in my opinion, that just got bogged down in convolution and poor execution. So it sounds like what you're saying is the scale of the film was at the detriment to the story. Well, I think that they were trying to add scale and at times they really nailed it. Some of the great action sequences or, mm. or all of that, but then it was really undercooked in probably about 60% of it. And you could tell that it, it just didn't meet those dizzy heights. The fact that, that they were filming in Jerusalem, London, you know, all these places, it's like, it, it wasn't big enough for me. I mean, there was oh. a scene where they're, where they're on a bridge in London and the effects weren't too bad, but the fact that you could tell that there are effects, it's kind of like, can you just take the film to London and film it in London on that bridge? But I mean, they took it to Morocco. Like this, I, I'm going to have to disagree with you there because I think the scale was fantastic. I just completely lost myself in the action and the costumes, especially. And that opening shot, which is, it was so Lawrence of Arabia. Hmm. That opening sequence was almost Bond-esque when you see that upshot of her being introduced, you know, revealing herself in this gorgeous gown and you're just, it, I, I loved it. Oh, yeah. I thought it was fantastic. No, I think you're right. See, th- th- that's where the other 40% that I was alluding to, like, did mm. really well. But then the rest of the film, I think, let itself down in the scale scope department mm. where they, they didn't quite keep it at that level of excitement. Mm. And I and yeah, and I thought it was a bit disappointing. I was quite excited by the action. I thought it was just absolutely incredible, just the perfect bit of escapism. Mm, mm. And, and we don't is the TV, the TV show doesn't give you that sense of scale. It's it's mainly set in Melbourne, correct? Mm, yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean, I found the theatrics were fun. I quite like Miss Fisher as a character. However, they didn't land very well. And look, I'm being quite critical of this film, but I I very rarely. <laughs> I very rarely write notes when I'm watching a movie and I was writing some notes for this one. And at one point I wrote in capital letters bored. And I think that, I think that that's, uh, yeah, not, that shocked me. not ideal. (laughs) I think that's ideal when you're watching a film. That's just how I felt. And I had to write it down and share it because this film didn't resonate with me and I I was quite Um, underwhelmed. Yeah. I think they've done so well to bring an Aussie TV series like this to the big screen and make it such an epic adventure ride for fans of the show. And I don't think you need to be a fan of the show to watch it. And I actually had a chat with Essie Davis, the star of the movie, who plays Phryne Fisher, and she said the same thing. She felt that fans will love it, but then it's also got a lot of stuff for people who aren't fans of the series. Mm. I'd love to hear your conversation with Essie Davis. Let's have a listen. to see The Crypt of Tears this week and it's a real shame that the cinema release was cut short because this is just really made for the big screen, isn't it? It really, really, really is made for the big screen and, um, you know, of course it's just terribly disappointing that it, it had to be cut short but, you know, the whole world is going through this and at least, I guess, everyone desperately needs some entertainment mm. in their homes at the moment being able to buy it digitally now, you can get that big screen kind of adventure, that international, Mm. wonderful piece of, you know, magic romp around the world 
um, people can bring it into their own home. But it was the landscapes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. You know, lucky people who have larger televisions. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the scale of it is just incredible. Do you think that could have happened on the same level without the success of the crowdfunding campaign? I think what the amazing thing about the crowdfunding campaign was, you know, it was an incentive to show investors the the passion that the audience had for for a feature of Nun Fisher, and I think that because of that passion that inspired the investors to say okay go ahead and even though um you know it it was still a very minuscule budget for the scope of what we wanted to create we really did want you know an indiana jones murder mystery romp comedy romance adventure Mm. (laughs) that action film and because of that passionate fans who helped not only fund the film but supported it in every way that showed all of the investors that there was a a big audience for this. And what I think is really wonderful as well is that the amazing response that we had for it in the cinema, both here and at festivals overseas, was many people saw it who had nothing to do with the series, had never seen the series, Mm. and it's a complete meal in itself anyway. So it's you don't need to have seen the series to watch the film. It's a wild and wonderful adventure on the most beautiful, magnificent landscape filmed in Morocco yeah. and uh, and in the Sahara Desert and Australia and all over the place. And the history between the characters, you don't need to know that. Mm. You, you just you see that there is a great depth of something going on behind, behind these relationships, which I just mm. think makes a, a better feature film, really. I have to say, I loved the introduction when you mentioned Indiana Jones before. It was so Indiana Jones. I was going to say female Bond, but when when she when she's you know revealed at the very beginning in this gorgeous dress and that up shot angle, it just it's so epic. <laughs> it is epic, and it's kind of it's kind of woohoo, hero, but it's also a little bit tongue in cheek and a little bit you know it's. I, I love that she's such a strong female heroine who is so independent and boisterous and funny and naughty. But, you know, she is an action hero as well. And yes, she's a female James Bond, but she has more of a twinkle in the eye than she does. Yes, definitely. How do you find her voice? She's got this really great, unique voice that's just so perfect for the era as well. How did you sort of come to that? I guess the history of Fanny is that she was born in the streets of Collingwood in a very poor, and through her mother inherited through the Great Wars, the first, the beginning of family, extended family deaths in the First World War, had inherited great wealth and a title and moved to London to um, go to finishing school and then became an ambulance officer mm. in the war and learned how to fly a plane and lived in Europe and started learning languages all over the world. And it's also the 1920s. And so she's got this very educated British kind of influence mm. voice, I guess. And But also she's Australian and she speaks many languages. <laughs> and mm. um, so I guess there's a little bit of that that's rubbed off on her. I also love films of the 30s and 40s and 50s that create dexterous kind of witticisms and America and England that kind of 
ability with language to be quite articulate and understood. It's not, nothing is really thrown away. It's all, I guess, like a sculpted in your mouth. Sculpted. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I think that's, um, I think that's really important part of the period, you know. Everything was more presented, including the way that people were speaking. I've read you describe her as a, a superhero, which I think is so cool. How does she fit so seamlessly into such different worlds? She's so comfortable in the aristocratic sort of social set, but then she's got this bohemian attitude in the underbelly. Is that her upbringing, do you think? It's her life experience. In my mind, in her history, she wasn't really brought up. She had a mother and father, a drunken father and a you know, a put-upon mother who had been wealthy and married this scallywag. She had a little sister and they roamed the streets of Collingwood together and got mm. up to all sorts of mischief. But because she has been inherited great wealth and because she has always sought to seek justice for the disappearance and death mm. and murder of her little sister, she's she's always passionate about seeking joy in life. And if you're going to live, you might as well live to the fullest. And mm. she has gone out and gained her own experiences. And she knows how to share that wealth. She knows how to be generous. But she's really independent and she knows what she has to hold on to in herself mm. to not let anyone else rule her like her mother may have been ruled or her experiences of one of her many lovers treated her extremely badly. So she's mm. just like, no, I'm going to look after myself. I'm going to be, look after everyone else. And she's just got a passion for fighting for the underdog, mm. a passion for women's rights, a passion for beautiful men, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and she knows how important it is to play by them and how to break them when she needs to. And I, I love that about her. Is there anything that would fluster her, do you think, besides spiders, obviously? <laughs> besides spiders? Um, no. No? Simple. <laughs> I think, you know, there are, there are times where she was put on edge and there's definitely experiences in her past that raise her hackles and mm. put her on guard I think that's a really lovely place to leave it then. Thank you, Essie. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for you your time. Take care now. You too. So, Tim, overall, after listening to that little bit of a chat with Essie and, and your thoughts on the film, what, what are your overall thoughts on the film? I think that Essie obviously gave a lot of insight into it it's her experience and her love for the character and the story over many years however i think that i came into this as a new audience member and unfortunately look i'm curious to look back at the tv series to see what that might offer me mm. and maybe i will become a fan i just felt that there were moments in this film that they got so right like the opening sequence that you alluded to before the theatrics i liked i, I wanted to know more about miss fisher and and what she gets up to but ultimately i felt like it felt it fell a bit flat in the end and I wasn't really, it didn't give me much of a spring in my step and, and I and I was kind of a bit, I wasn't invested in the story 
ultimately, mm. unfortunately. So how many popcorn kernels would you give it? I'd probably give Miss Fisher and the Crypt of Tears about a two and a half. Wow. Mm. See, I'm going to disagree with you there because I think it was very true to the spirit of the TV series and the fun and the action and the adventure and the gorgeous costumes. And the movie's written by Deb Cox, who produced the TV series. So you've got that element of um, continuity there, which fans will really enjoy. And as Essie said, and as I have said as well, I don't think you need to be a fan to enjoy the movie. I think people will get a lot out of this. I'm going to give it three and a half. Oh, wow. Good, good. Well, if you are Mm. a fan of the show or want to check out a new murder mystery Australian story, then check out Miss Fisher and the Crypt of Tears. So there's only little bits of news this week. Some tidbits are starting to be released about movies that are upcoming. I guess people are starting to want to get excited about what's coming out again once all this craziness Mm, disappears. Definitely, Taika Waititi has revealed some tidbits on Instagram Live about Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, And he said he's on the fifth or sixth draft of the script. That's quite... A few drafts, isn't it? Yeah. But I mean, I guess to me that puts some confidence in the story that he is working through it and taking advice Mm. and finding ways to perfect it. And I think in these times when you have so much more time, hopefully that he is delivering a script that is super, super solid. Obviously, we have every faith in Taika Waititi as a brilliant Mm. filmmaker. Taika Waititi's obviously won the Academy Award recently for Best Adapted Screenplay. So he knows how to tell a story. And Thor Ragnarok was such a fun ride. So, yeah, fifth, mm. sixth draft, I think we're, we're in for a good a good result at the end. What else has he said is isn't part of this fabulous story? Well, there was rumours that Silver Surfer was going to be involved and that Christian Bale would be playing Silver Surfer, but apparently that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Silver Surfer won't be in the movie and he still won't reveal what villain Christian Bale is playing. Mm. Uh, and what's this about space sharks, Lee? <laughs> Star sharks. Star-, Star sharks are a thing in the, in the Marvel world. Um, and Star Sharks are apparently going to be in the movie. It just, that just, that, it gives me this vision of the 1960s Batman TV show where Batman gets the shark stuck on his leg and he go, and he, Robin goes up to the, to the helicopter because he's dangling off these, mm. l- this ladder into the water and Robin gets shark repellent spray. <laughs> And then passes it down to Batman, who sprays it on the shark. But it's actually a bomb shark. So when it hits the surface of the water, it explodes. (laughs) So when I'm seeing things like star sharks, space sharks, I'm like rubbing my hands together going, oh, this better be the campiest, fun, most ridiculous part of this film because I freaking love that stuff. It may feature a character called Beta Ray Bill, whose uh, storyline has parallels with Thor's. He's a different race, but similar sort of circumstances to Thor. He's the hero of his people and... Mm -hmm. I guess with these, with Phase 4, they're really expanding the universe, so introducing new characters and and new subplots and whatnot. Obviously, alluding to Silver Surfer, he is a traditional, what, Fantastic Four villain. So mm. now with the acquisition of Disney and Fox, it's kind of we can throw the X-Men in there, we can throw the Fantastic Four in there. So everyone's, like, waiting patiently and mm. nervously to find out where and how they're going to be slotted into Phase 4 Uh, in the coming years. Yeah, I love this quote that Taika said uh, during the Instagram Live. It's like 10-year-olds told us what to put in the movie and we said yes to everything. (laughs) Now, I don't know if I should be nervous about that or excited. No, I think that's exciting. I mean, he's such a brilliant writer and he's so witty and funny. 
And I don't think that should make us nervous at all. It, it should make us realize that, yeah, he's pushing the boundaries here and he's probably going to deliver something even more fun than Ragnarok. So yeah, bring it on. So there are still a lot of new 2020 movies that you can see at home. We went through some of them last week, but there's been a few additions this week. We have The Hunt, which is a thriller about humans being hunted for sport. That was a very controversial movie that was pulled from the schedule last year. Mm. And now you can see the first 10 minutes of the movie on Universal Pictures' YouTube page. Which is an interesting tactic because that it sounds like the first 10 minutes must be pretty impactful and it will draw you in. So mm. then you go over and you rent it or buy it so you can view it. So I think that's a really smart move to get people intrigued into a film. And these premium titles are quite pricey, Mm. really. So you want to know that you're going to get a good movie. Absolutely. And you can listen to us and we'll tell you. Of course. So we're going to make our way down this list over the coming weeks and bring you those reviews so you can decide Mm. whether to hit purchase on your TV, smart TV, to to watch the movies. (laughs) So we've also got a review of Onward coming up in the next few weeks so you can catch that that's Pixar's latest animation about two brothers trying to connect with their father and also Vin Diesel starring as an enhanced super soldier in his film titled Bloodshot which you can check out now as well you can also see The Invisible Man which is an incredible twist on the classic universal monster and we reviewed that recently so check out our review for that and we have Midway available to view and that's based on the World War II battle of Midway after the attack on Pearl Harbor. And we'll bring you that review next week. Yes, very soon. I have since watched that. So Lee's going to catch up and then we'll bring you our review. We've got The Gentleman as well, which is Guy Ritchie's gangster flick starring Matthew McConaughey and Hugh Grant. I'm really, really keen to catch this. So hopefully our review of this is not too far away. There's also Just Mercy, which is based on the true story of a young lawyer's fight to free a wrongly convicted man. And we've reviewed this, Birds of Prey. You can still catch that to rent or buy. So that's Harley Quinn's solo film starring Australian's Margot Robbie. And of course, Miss Fisher and the Crypt of Tears is available now. The Aussie murder mystery starring Essie Davis as a glamorous lady private detective. And obviously we disagreed on that review, but you can form your own opinion. Yeah, absolutely. So check that out. Are you on Lee's side of the fence or or my, Tim's side of the fence? I think there are a lot of fans out there of the TV show. So hopefully, I honestly, sincerely hope those fans of the TV show enjoy the film. And I'd love to hear about it and tell me that I'm wrong because Lee's told me I'm wrong and that's fine. So You are wrong. It's an epic romp. It's wonderful. <laughs> I have to agree, though. The costumes were fabulous. And I did love yeah. how camp it was at times. I think. And she's just such a fabulous character definitely, in general. Definitely. Isn't she? Franny Fisher. Yeah. Amazing. Mm. Yeah, she's good. More of that, please. Just maybe made a tad better. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just put a last little jab in there. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.